0: What a good God we serve. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor say I'm not a beggar. Hallelujah. Do you know uh, you can't get God to love you any more than he already loves you. And you can't become any more accepted if you know Jesus. Now if you don't know Jesus we got to get that fixed. But, But if you know Jesus you can't get any more accepted than you are right now. So, we, you know, when we're talking about trying to drive out that, that beggar mentality, uh, you know, it's, it just comes down to the fact that you're not aware of who your God is or who you are or who your enemy is. I mean, that's it's just the way it works. And so a lot of times what happens is we, we find ourselves not in a place of faith, but, uh, but more of a, you know, we're in beggar mode. Come on, somebody. And uh, so we just need to. Be a people that believe God who we are. You're the righteousness of God. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You're uh, an ambassador uh, of the king. Praise God. Part of the household of faith. Amen. Part of a child of God. Praise God. In the kingdom of God. Ready to do great things for God. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Hallelujah. Well, did you come to receive today? Yes. All right. Because I believe in my heart that... Uh, Again, I got some things that are stirring that I believe are for us uh, today, and if you have an ear to hear, I believe you will leave this place different than when you came. We're going to 1 Timothy chapter 6 once again. We started on this last week, and I just kind of felt in my heart I was supposed to go back there and talk some more things and then kind of take it down a different uh, road here a little bit just to uh, see it from kind of a different light, but uh, uh, Chapter 6, please, of 1 Timothy and verse 12, and it says, fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Everybody say, fight the good fight." fight. Amen. Fight the fight, right? There's a fight to fight. Amen. There's a cross to bear. There's a race to run, an enemy to resist. Amen. There's a fight to fight. Praise God. And as a child of God, none of us are exempt from that. Amen. There's a fight to fight, and this is a fight, a good fight, praise God. Somebody said years ago that a good fight's one you win. Well, praise the Lord, but uh, this fight we're talking about is one you've already been given the victory. It's one amen. He's already given you the victory. He's already uh, led you in triumph or, and leading you in triumph, praise God. Uh, the thing is, we've just got to get people to fight their fight because sometimes what happens, people just don't engage. And uh, so we just go along. We just... Accept things and roll along, and and not even realize that we didn't we didn't get engaged, we didn't get we didn't we didn't you know apply ourselves, we didn't uh, you know you know shift gears so to speak, or maybe I should say we didn't pull it out of park. Hello, and so today we're going to talk about that and what that means. And uh, so uh, he said, "Fight the good fight of faith." Amen. Everybody say faith. Now the word faith, of course, is the Greek word pistis, which means a belief in, a confidence, assurance, reliance, dependence, uh, you know, a trust. These are all synonyms uh, to this word faith, praise God. So uh, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold, uh, it means to seize or uh, to, uh, to grab hold, to seize it or to grasp it, Okay. And this word grasp, it's referring more about, not so much about grabbing something with the hand, so to speak, as it means about getting an understanding, amen, getting a a perception of what's going on, being aware of what you have, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. Now, we address this because... A lot of times when you speed read through this, you automatically just start thinking about, you know, someday in the sweet by and by, that pie in the sky when we're going to, uh, you know, make heaven our home and it's talking about eternal life and that's not really what it's talking about, all right? Uh, because eternal life began the minute you met, you met Jesus. The word says in, in uh, John 17 and verse 3 it brings out uh, Jesus himself said this. He defined what eternal life was. Eternal life is to know the one true God and to believe in the one in whom He sent, praise God, or to know the one in whom He sent. So it's, it's about knowing him. It's about more about a relationship and then what you have because of that relationship. Amen. The word eternal in itself means uh, everlasting or perpetual is what we focused on last week. Everybody say perpetual. So perpetual life, that word life is zoe or absolute life, uh, the, the God kind of life, a life without darkness, a life without the curse, a life without death. Come on, somebody. We're talking about true life, absolute life. So we're talking about a perpetual life or in a sense, sometimes we could even say perpetual power. And it says, to which you've also been called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Praise God. The word confession, the word confessed, amen, homos logia, which is the Greek word which means same word. It means a covenant acknowledgment. What you have on your lap there, what you're looking at. Hopefully, most of you have a Bible. Uh, most everybody does. If you got it on your phone, your iPads, whatever. Actually, read the real deal. Whatever. Come on, somebody. It's kind of a lost art, seems like anymore. But uh, anyway, praise God. That is your covenant. What you have in here is the old covenant, new covenant, right? right? Come on. What you have is a contract. All right. That's exactly what it is. It's a contract filled with promises. Amen, within that word. The word promises itself means an expressed assurance on which expectation is to be based. There are approximately anywhere between 7,000 and 10,000 promises in the word that deal with every area of your life. So in that covenant, in that contract, and by the way, it's been signed in blood. Amen. What you have, amen, are promises throughout that word. Amen. Remember, that word is living, and it's powerful. What you have in there is is promises that are still alive, still active, still working. Are you still with me? This is going to come up here before we're done here today. All right? So this is something that's you have to understand that that word is living and it's powerful. And as we brought out last week, amen, that we have got to be a people that get our mouth engaged. we got to be a people that speak the right things. Confess the good confession, not the bad confession. Confess a good confession, and it even says, in the presence of many witnesses. Meaning, you don't just get to you know, pick here and there. You only do it when you're in church. you got to be willing to talk the right things, amen, when you're out and about. You got to be willing to talk the right things when you're at work. You got to be willing to talk the right things when you're at home. You got to be willing to talk the right things in your family. You got to be willing to talk the right things even in your bedroom. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Amen. Because a lot of times we think for some odd reason we get, you know, in our own four walls and King's X, we're we're exempt. We can say whatever we want. This is how I feel, this is what I do believe or whatever and you start talking stuff you got no business talking and so we began to talk about the importance of speaking the right things and what that means talking your covenant talk what God says not what somebody else said are you still with me and so what we focused on last week was this thing called eternal life, about grasping, amen, uh, comprehending, amen, grabbing hold, amen, of this thing called eternal life or perpetual life or power. Praise God. And I best I could, I tried to kind of do a picture kind of thing with that. I don't know how well it, were, it did, but you know you got to kind of see this thing. As like if you if you watched any of these superhero type movies, and you know whether you're you're a, uh, the all spark and transformer movies, or uh, you know the I I forget all the names of the things, but every one of them has some kind of a source that literally has power. That if the right people have a hold of it, they do good things. If the wrong people have a hold of it, it's not so good. And it usually does stuff like this. So what you have within you, if you can grasp it, if you can somehow lay hold of this, if you can somehow perceive this, what you have is a thing called perpetual life that you possessed when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Now, you may not understand it yet. You may not even believe it yet. But what you possess... Within is a thing called perpetual life. Now, what you do with that is going to determine some things. And as we brought out last week, your words are creative power. In fact, let's look at a few verses real quick. Uh, The word says this in Proverbs 18 and 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Talk about your tongue. Death and life. In other words, words are containers. They can build good, they can build bad, death, life, curse, blessing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it, in other words, continue to speak it, they're going to eat the fruit of that, whatever there's talking. Matthew 12 and verse 37 says, this is Jesus talking now, he said, for by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. In other words, your words bring justification or condemnation. Your words bring salvation or damnation. Your words do that. That's why in that same text he, he, he talked about the importance of your words, that you will give account of your words. Now my thought is it's better to get a hold of it now than when you get to heaven and now you got to be schooled while you could be out there fishing, doing all kinds of things. You're in a classroom learning all the stuff that I've been trying to teach you for years. I'm just saying So you might as well get a hold of it. Amen. All right. So we found out the importance of these words. Matthew 15 and 11, another reference, Jesus again talking. He says it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles you. It's what's coming out your mouth that keeps defiling you. You keep talking the wrong stuff. Are you with me? That's why it says in Proverbs 21, one of the verses that we kind of uh, maybe closed with last week, That whoever guards his mouth and tongue, verse 23, whoever guards, everybody say guards. If he says to guard your mouth, guess what? You probably need to guard your mouth. Come on. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Now, uh, as we brought out and talked about last week, amen, the importance of these words and why this is so important, because this, this perpetual life that you hold, Whether you agree with it or not, whether you believe in it or not, whether you accept it or not, is irrelevant. As a believer, you have hold of that. It is there. Now, you may not perceive it yet. You may not understand it yet, but it's there. And the problem is we keep talking like the world talks, so it perpetuates those things because words is what activate. Words is what activates it. It's real clear in the Scriptures. We brought out many references last week. We'll talk some more this week. Amen. That your words produce things. In fact, James, uh, let's put that reference up. I think it's James 3 and verse 6. I know I've kind of messed up the, uh, the order of events back there. Uh, the tongue is a, is a fire world of iniquity. Now, of course, it's talking about a tongue that's out of control. It says, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Your tongue can defile your body. Now, why is that? See, your tongue perpetuates life, death, sickness, disease, weakness. Are you hearing me? See, everything got your mouth. See, what you speak out. See, if you are constantly talking sickness, you you cause sickness to gain traction in your physical body. That's why you can't talk sick. Somebody said, well, listen, the truth is, no, the truth is that by his stripes you were healed. The fact may be that you're not feeling good right now. Now, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm trying to see here. See, a lot of times we start talking, amen, what we feel or we start talking how it looks, and the word is very clear and warns us about doing that. Why is that? Because your words perpetuate whatever you're talking. So if you're going to talk sickness and disease, it defiles your whole body. Because in context, it's talking about a tongue out of control. It says that in this same text, it talks about how the tongue is like a bit in the horse's mouth or a rudder on a large ship. And no matter how big that ship is, that little rudder can determine where that ship is going. goes wherever the pilot chooses to point it. You're the pilot. And if you're going to let that thing steer you down some dark path, I'm telling you what, you can be mad at God all you want to. But when it comes right down to it, it was our own words. Now, I'm not upset. Am I, am I we good with that? Little intense, but I just, you know, it's, it's, you got to understand that. See, it defiles the whole body and literally says, then, and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. Well, I'm trying to say, we got to change that. Amen. I don't want my tongue being driven by hell. You know, everything that goes on out there is like a script, a demonic script. There's so much junk going out there. And, and, and that demonic script, you sit here and all you do is read that demonic script. All you, all you do is perpetuate that demonic activity. Are you still with me? See, it's time to change it. There's a lot of stuff that could be changed if the whole body of Christ just grabbed hold of this. Trudy brought out a couple weeks ago that when you, you know, when you were brought into this earth... According to the scriptures, it says that you are referred to as a son of man, or talk about mankind, so male or female. You are a man, you know, a son of man. Come on. And the son of man itself was given dominion and authority. But then through, through the course of events, and man fell, and, and then all of a sudden there comes a Savior years later, right? Pays the price. All of a sudden, we refer to him as the second Adam. He comes along, pays a price. Everything now is restored. Amen. That authority, that dominion's there. And when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're no longer just a son of man. You're now a son of God. Holding Power holding perpetual life. It's there. Amen. So what we're trying to do is teach you how to use that. To not take the power that you have and be destructive with it. Feelings can be the most destructive things. Now, God gave us feelings. And nothing wrong with feelings in itself, but the problem is, if our feelings are dictated and controlled by the circumstances, by just how you feel about certain things or how things look, what happens is they can be very destructive because out of that comes words. Thoughts. So thoughts. Everybody say thoughts. You know, the sad thing about thoughts, I mean, thoughts can be a good thing, thoughts can be a bad thing. In fact, Joshua 1 brings it real clear, talking about the importance of your words. Uh, but he brings out, he says, but meditate on the on the God's word, on his words, night and day. Why is that? Because that's going to determine some things. That's going to determine what you're going to say. See, thoughts uh, are, are, are like, uh, you know, one thought bumps into another thought, and it has puppies. Are you with me? So if it's a bad thought bumping into another bad thought, we got a bunch of bad puppies. Maybe we should come up with a different example. But anyway, the point is this, okay, what we want to do is have right thoughts. That's why I encourage you to be in the Word of God. Amen. Are you still with me? You meditate on the Word of God. Uh, In fact, well, since you got it up there, this book of the law shall not uh, depart from your mouth. Everybody say your mouth. Now, he's talking to Joshua, who now is in charge of the children of Israel. Moses is now gone. He's now in charge. And he's saying, listen, if you want to do this right, you want to fulfill this, you actually want this generation, because remember, the last one couldn't and didn't. But if you want this generation to partake of their promised land, the generation prior to that had a promised land. But based on certain choices and decisions, they missed out on their promised land. Now, he says, listen, Joshua, if you want the promised land, there's some things you're going to have to do. One of those things is you're going to have to guard what comes out your mouth. He said, I recommend you meditate on his word day and night. And you you begin to observe that and walk that. And if you do that, it says you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Still with me? You know, a lot of times people talk about, you know, well, you know, all this bad going on. And why isn't God taking care of this? And why isn't God doing that? God ain't in charge of that. You are. Listen, I'm just going to tell you right right off the get-go. If something ain't working, I guarantee you God isn't involved. It's usually the things that we don't let him involved in or somehow we don't initiate, you know, our authority and dominion. And as a result of it, it all starts falling apart. And usually what ends up happening somehow, God gets the blame for it. Come on. What we're trying to tell you is that if we will walk in this and get a hold of this and lay hold, perceive it, amen, and comprehend what we're talking about and use this thing right, you'll find things begin to shift and change in your own households, in your businesses, in your health, in your family. Come on, somebody. In your communities, in your state. Hallelujah. In our nation. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. If the body of Christ will get a hold of it, I guarantee you we can change some things. Just just begin to shift things just by using our words right. All right. Now, that isn't all you do, but it definitely is a big part of it. All right. Are you still with me? Am I boring you today? All right. Let's let's go back uh, to, uh, let's do this. Let's go to Hebrews 11, please. Hebrews 11. All right, try to get back in my notes here, Micah. So Hebrews 11, verse 1, please. Now, everybody say fight the fight. fight the fight. All right, so it says fight the good fight of faith. Now, as I said, faith is a, a word that means a, a belief in, a confidence, an assurance, a, a, you know, a trust, okay? Um, a lot of conviction is another one of them synonyms for that word. Okay, so a lot of times we, when we, uh, you know, talk about a fight of faith, uh, we're assuming maybe it's just talking about, you know, walking in faith for something. And, and in a lot of ways that is accurate. But let's look at what faith is again. We touched on it briefly last week, but I want to kind of go in a little bit more in depth this week. It says, now faith, we say faith. Now, how many know this is the Hall of Fame uh, chapter, right, of all of our patriarchs of faith, right? Come on. So that's what this whole chapter is. It starts off saying, now faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. It's the evidence or the proof of things not seen. So you have to understand if you're going to walk in faith, okay, it isn't because you see everything. See, if you see it already, then there's no need for faith. Because you already see it. Okay, so we're talking about exercising your faith. All right, verse 2, please. And it says, for by it or by faith, the elders, in other words, the patriarchs of faith that are listed in this chapter, obtained a good testimony. In other words, they lived by this faith. And many, if you go through them one by one, you find that each one of them, somewhere along the line, was willing to believe God at his word regardless of how they felt or regardless of how it looked. They walked in faith, trusting God, believing God, having confidence in God, assured of God, relying on God, amen. Verse 3, please. By faith, everybody say faith. Faith, by faith, we understand that the world, see, the ages are fra- were framed by the what? The word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So how is this? How was everything that you see here made? Let's talk about everything you see. You walk outside, you look up, you see the mountains, you see all kinds of uh, beauty. Especially this state, we got so much beauty here and there. And uh, how was it all made? By God speaking it. We go to Genesis one. That's all it's talking about here is Genesis one. Everything that you see out there was made by an unseen thing. It all was made by an unseen thing. God spoke, and it manifested. Somebody said, well, that was God. Yes, but the Word says you've been made in His likeness and after His image. See, you were made in the same image as Him, after His likeness. Okay? In other words, what works for Him, see, He designed you as a creative being. Somebody said, well, you're telling me I can go out there and make mountains? No, but I tell you what, you could take authority over some things and move that mountain out of your way. Come on, somebody. And you might be amazed at how much authority and dominion you actually have. Because That's right. That's sometimes the reason we don't see the authority and dominion in our lives is because we really don't believe in our words. We don't believe in the things we say. We just we just spew things out of our mouth all the time, how we feel, how how it looks, and just say 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 because we have no we see no value in words. But it says here that these things, this world, everything out there in the seen realm was made by the unseen realm. Now, aren't you glad that when God, the Word says he looked out and he saw that it was dark, aren't you glad he didn't go, "Whoa, it's dark out there? If he'd have done that, it would have just stayed dark. Right? See, the word says this in uh, Romans 4 and 17. It says that God calls things that be not as though they are. That's how he operates. He calls things that are not as though they are by speaking it. And in context, he's talking about Abraham and Sarah, and he calls that even which is dead, he calls it alive. And so he spoke over uh, Abraham's body, spoke over Sarah's body, and even though they were up there in years and beyond childbearing, he says you will have a son. A promised child. Abraham gets a hold of it first, praise God, but because Sarah didn't get it quite yet, uh uh-oh, we have a little glitch in the system because one got it and one didn't. So now we have an Ishmael because the one who got it got it. Later on, not too far down the road, Sarah gets it, praise God, just like God said, he calls things that be not as though they are. She has a child. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. How many know Jesus had a pretty successful ministry? Did more in three and a half years than most people will do in their whole lifetime? Duh. The point is, okay, he understood And if you really look at the signs, the wonders, the miracles, you'll see that Jesus constantly spoke things that be not as though they are. It's how it worked. The problem is the enemy lures us to say what is as though it is. So we continually perpetuate the same thing because we keep saying it what it is. And God's trying to say, No, that ain't how this works. You gotta call things that be not as though they are. If you want something changed, you can't keep talking about how bad it is. You gotta speak the words that change it. Because you have that kind of potential, you have that kind of ability in God. Am I in the right house? Yep. Just thought I'd check, make sure. Or are you just listening? Just grabbing it? All right. Hallelujah. This is how this works. All right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, if you look at that whole text in context, okay, he's talking about to be absent from this body means to be present with the Lord. Now, how many believe you're going to heaven? How many believe you're going to heaven? All right. Now, how do you know? Have you seen it? Now, I've got to ask because some people have. You know, some people have actually had outer body body experiences and have experienced heaven itself, have somehow, you know, seen it through uh, vision or through just Like I said, an out-of-body deal. Okay, so it happens. So it's a fair question, but I have found that most Christians have not seen heaven. Am I accurate? All right. But you believed it, and you believe in it so much that you're willing, amen, come on, you're willing to put everything on it because one day I'm making heaven my home. So, he says, we walk by faith, not by sight. So in, in that particular thing, most Christians actually are pretty good about walking by faith and not by sight. Because they say, I've never seen heaven, but I also, but I know I'm going to heaven someday. And you might already have kind of an idea because you've seen in the scriptures, you've seen things, amen. But see, God says the whole thing in of is dealing with the fact that you cannot live your life by these natural eyes. That's why earlier, or actually the later part of chapter 4, he says, For we look not to the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen, which is talking about primarily of this word, the things of the word, the things he talks about in his word, amen, are eternal or permanent. The word temporary, again, means subject to change, Everything in the seen realm is subject to change. Everything in the seen world is subject to change. He said that on purpose. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Please put that on the board. The very first verse. And it says this, fight the good fight of faith. Let me bring something out to you today, all right? The word here, fight, means to compete for a prize. It means multiple things, but to compete for a prize. So there's times Scripture talks about that, okay? It talks about uh, to to, uh, contend, I think I spelled it wrong there, to contend with an adversary or the enemy. Times of Scripture talks about that. But then it also means this, okay, this word fight. means to endeavor to accomplish something. And to me, okay, okay, to me that's what he's talking about here. Because in all honesty, he's not really talking about an opponent. He's not really talking about an adversary, an enemy in this text. But he still talks to you about fighting a good fight of faith, okay? Now, yes, ultimately you will deal with, you know, an enemy, Come on, resisting your enemy, and you've got to use faith to do that. Come on. But in this text, he's talking about fighting a good fight of faith. So what is he talking about primarily? He's talking about, amen, this endeavor to accomplish something. What are we trying to accomplish? To live more by faith than we do by sight. Because this is how it works. Because the challenge, in fact, that word fight also means struggle, which I had a hard time with. But when you kind of look at it like this, it makes all the perfect sense. Because one of the things we struggle the most with, children of God, is living by faith. Because we're too moved by how everything looks. We're too moved by the natural realm. We're too moved by what somebody else said or what somebody else did. And you hurt my little feelings. And and I'm not trying to pick on nobody. I'm just saying it's time to walk by faith, not by sight. Because when you walk by sight, you constantly speak things that perpetuate darkness and junk, yuck, curse. Curse. Because we have a tendency to just talk what is. We call things that be not as though they are. Somebody said, well, I I just believe in telling the truth. You might be amazed that the facts that you're dealing with are not truth. They're just facts. What you hold in your lap there. I said, what you hold in your lap there is truth. So what he's trying to say is, listen, you have to change the facts, that which is, by saying what is not the unseen. Come on, take in the word, the truth, and change it. Think about this. Um, I kind of skip some of the other verses, but Romans ten and ten says this. It says, you know, that if you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth, the Lord Jesus, you, what you'll be be saved, right? Because with the with the heart one believes in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, right? Okay, that's Romans actually ten nine and ten both. And most time people look at that and say, well, that's the born again verses. That's how you get born again. Well, that's just the start. Salvation is a, is an all inclusive word. It means wholeness. It means health, preservation, safety. Um, it means, uh, you know, um, pr- did I say protection. Anyway, it's a whole. It's a big word. It just means. It just means full meal deal. It's the Greek word soteria, and the word confession there just means, amen. It's By that same word, amen. By believing it in your heart and you confess it out your mouth and you change things. Now, of course, it starts with a born again experience. Somebody say, praise the Lord. One of the greatest miracles that ever happened to mankind happened when they made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Isn't it amazing that it took your mouth to be involved to make that happen? The greatest miracle that literally changed your future. Instantaneous. I mean instantaneous. i am got the spits going on. Instantaneous. By just making a confession. You believed in your heart and you made a confession at your mouth and you went from being hell bound to heaven bound that quick. Became accepted in the beloved, bang, done deal, by a confession out your mouth. First John 1, 9, a common verse that we know, that if you confess your sins unto him, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. With a confession, same word, amen, you got released from your past. You got released from the mistake. You got released from the thing that was trying to hold you back or hold you down or hold you captive. With a confession. Now, most Christians won't argue with me on those. But I'm here to tell you it's more than just just by an, uh, uh, an end deal or being released from your past. It goes beyond that. It's changing everything. What you believe in your heart and confess out your mouth, amen, see, it goes unto salvation, soteria. You want health in your body? Talk health. You want, you want a financial breakthrough? you got to talk that. Now, there's other things. It isn't just the mouth, but I guarantee you most people are hurting right now because of their mouth. I try to look at all of you. Some of you, when I look at you, kind of hide your face. or something. Listen, we've all been guilty of this, talking things that are as though they are instead of talking things that are not as though they are. We've all been guilty of these kind of things get mad, we get upset, we get sad, we get depressed, we get whatever. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Whatever it is that goes on and we find ourselves saying things we probably got no business saying. And all we do is perpetuate that very thing. God says it's time to change it. And as a child of God, you have that kind of potential. Most of the time, even in the area of finance, health, marital situations, kid situations. I mean, there's certain things, yes, you got to walk through and do. You know, as you meditate on the Word, you find out there's certain things, certain actions, certain things you must do. But you'll see that the, the mouth is involved in all of it. It's always involved. The mouth is always involved. Now, you know as well as I do, your mouth is always involved. And sometimes involved in stuff it probably shouldn't be. But it does. It becomes a weapon of choice. And to be honest, it's scriptural. One day we're going to see the master riding in on that white charger. The word says a sword, two-edged sword going in and out of his mouth. Do you think Jesus really has a a sword, a metal sword going in and out of his mouth? No, because he's referred to as the word of God. Come on, somebody! The word says the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Come on, the word prophesied out of uh, Isaiah forty-nine talks about him, uh, Jesus, in Revelations one, Revelations nineteen about the sword. What's it talking about? Ephesians six talks about the armor of God and your weapon is a sword which is the word of God. So what's Jesus got a sword going in and out of his mouth? What is it? It's the word of God. He speaks the word. He only says the word. Here comes a temptation. It is written. Oh, yeah, I'll try it here. It is written. Well, I'm going to try you over here. It is written. The devil goes, oh, man. And for some reason, we don't take note. We get tempted. We go, How come I always fall prey to this? How come this always happens to me? How come I'm the one that always, Why? uh, How come, God? Why are you mad at me? Why are you upset with me? Hello, it's not God. But we keep. I can't ever get over this stuff. This stuff just kicks me, my tail, up and down the sidewalk all day long. I mean, that, and this dog shows up and kicks me all over. I mean, I'm always under it. I always, I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. I just can't understand why I stay broke, busted, and disgusted. I'm always sick. I'm always fighting something. Oh, it's flu season again. Here we go again. Oh, I got the flu again. My gosh, I prophesied it. Go to Psalms 103. You want to change the seen realm? Have a revelation of the unseen realm. With me? Understand who you are as a child of God, what you have the potential to do. Psalms 103. Let's go like verse 19, I think, something like that. Are you with me still? Are you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? About four of you. Well, for, your, for the sake of that four, I'm going to keep going. All right. Verse 19 says this. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. Somebody say praise the Lord. Where is his throne established? In heaven. And it says his kingdom rules over all. Now, his kingdom, his rule, reign, or realm, uh, some ways sometimes defined as his way of doing things, okay? Okay, so we're talking about his way of doing things rules over the earth. God set up an established way of things work. Come on. Even Genesis 1 talks about that. Everything produces after its own kind. No matter what it is, it produces after its own kind. Then he made you, and he says, now you produce after your own kind. You're my kind. So you produce. Okay. Then you go and you have kids, and another seed, another child. They produce. Generation, generation, generation. His kingdom rules over all of it. It has set up an established set of rules that works. Are you still with me? If you hook up with them, it worketh. If you don't, it doneth. With me? Okay. Verse 20. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength. Who believes in angels? All seven of you. Let's try Anybody believe in angels? Do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in the unseen? Now, if you believe in angels, do you believe in demons? Yes. Okay, so you know there's, there's demons out there, too. Now, we didn't invite them in here. Now, unless you brought one. Okay, if you brought one, you know, I'd just assume you'd take him back out. But anyway, the point is this. Okay, so if we believe in, in angels, we should believe also in the demonic. It says, who excel in strength. Talking about his angels. Who excel in strength, who do his Word, they do His Word. They won't do anything else, they do His Word. The ones that didn't do His Word rebelled, they were cast out. Come on, right? They're now hanging out with somebody else. So the ones that do His Word, who excel in strength, His angels, but it says here this, they heed the voice of His Word. Everybody say His Word. They heed the voice of His Word. Now this is His Word. I always do this. It's just kind of silly, but you put your put that up to your ear. Go ahead. Amuse me. Now if you get real quiet, everybody get quiet. Thought I'd say something, but it's not saying anything. Oh, that's right. I have to give it voice. See, they only do His Word, and they only heed the voice of His Word. The Word says those angels are ministering servants sent forth to minister unto the heirs of salvation, which is you. They serve you. The Word says you're the ones that are going to judge the angels. Why do you think you're the ones going to judge them? The angels ain't above you. They work for you. Are you still with me? All right, so what do they do? They give heed when you give them voice. But see, a lot of people don't give voice to the word. They give voice to everything else. So the angels only do his word. And when you give voice to his word, they'll do his word. See, their way. most angels are just sitting back doing this. Because nobody gives them an assignment. But you're saying something else, and they can't do that because that's not part of their assignment. They only do His Word. So until somebody gives voice to His Word, they can't do nothing. But there's something else at work. And it could be that you're giving You know, heed to some other voice, come on, somebody, or giving voice to some other thing. And maybe we got something else going and working right now that we don't want working. So, how then does all this stuff happen? So, when we're talking about a perpetual life, that whether you're speaking life or death, it perpetuates what you talk. How does that happen? The unseen realm. How does all of it come into being? The unseen realm is done by something uh, something unseen. So you speak something, come on, and then it produces something, shifts things in the unseen, and then it produces things in the seen realm. It's never changed. It still works that way. So we go on talking sick, and you perpetuate sick. We talk poverty and lack and never having enough, and we perpetuate it. And your angels are sitting back here. I'd love to get involved. I'd love to help. In fact, we could go and do a whole message on angels and all the things that they do for a believer. Is phenomenal. What they will bring to pass and do. Because they help and they serve. They're there for you. They have an assignment. So what happens is, now listen, you start making sense. Start thinking about all this when people start saying, well, I just don't understand what happened to that person. I mean, here they are. They're a believer. You can sit and get mad at God all you want to, child of God. And I am telling you that if nobody initiates life with their mouth, you probably aren't going to see it. That's sobering. I can tell. You're all very quiet or mad. I'm not sure which yet. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, this is how it works. Whew. Romans five or Psalms 50, pardon me. Psalms 50, verse 23. Him who orders his, it talks about him ordering his conduct aright. And literally, word, the word many many are translated, say, conversation aright. Um, this is verse 23. 23 actually is what it is I believe. It's verse 23. Sorry about that. I think it's 50:23. Right. Of Psalms. And it talks about him who order, ordering your conduct or ordering your conduct or your conversation. The word actually literally means in the in the Hebrew, the word conduct here means a conduct produced by conversation. That's why sometimes it says conduct, sometimes conver- conversation. The point is this, and when you order your conversation right, he says I will show the salvation of God. You want to see God at work. You want to see preservation? You want to see safety? You want to see protection? You want to see health and wholeness? That word there, all-inclusive. You want to see it? Then you're going to have to talk it. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to talk right. Are you with me or are you done with me? Can you give me a few more minutes and I'll, I'll kind of sh- walk you through some of this, okay? Are you okay with that? Yep. Okay. Philippians 1.6, put that up. We'll work through this fairly quick. Philippians 1 6. <clears throat> so you got her? Philippians 1 6. Let me go ahead and read it then. Philippians 1 6 is being we're being being confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, how many believe that's good? Okay, you can be confident. Look at your neighbor. So you can be confident of this. So you can have faith in this. This is accurate. This is a promise. Everybody say a promise. All the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. The promise, again, is defined as an expressed, something spoken, an expressed assurance on which your expectation is to be based. So all these are promises. Here's a promise. You can be confident that He who's has begun a good work and you will complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus. In other words, He's always working on you. So why are you talking I can't change. I can't get it. It never happens for me. I'm just a loser. Knock it off. Stop talking that stuff. Well, that's the way I feel, and I'm just going to say it like I feel it. And you're going to perpetuate, and it never goes away. You can start saying, "You know what? This is how it works. Here we go." Lord, I thank you. I'm confident that you who began a good work in me are completing it. Praise God. I'm thankful. I'm going from glory to glory, from faith to faith, strength to strength, grace upon grace. Hallelujah. And you can't be moved by what anybody else says. You can't be moved by what everybody's looking at you or how it looks in the natural. Because somebody can say, I don't think it's working for you. And there was a few times in the beginning with me, I guarantee you, people were thinking, it ain't working for him. <laughs> but you can't be moved by that stuff. You've got to get your mouth working for you. 1 John 4, 4, another, I just grabbed some common verses. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them, in other words, overcome the world, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You are of God, little child. I just don't I just don't feel like I belong. I just don't feel like a Stop it! You're a child of God. Come on. You're an overcomer. The world can't control you. Can't dictate to you. You overcome. Praise God. And why? Because greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Praise God. Well, I just don't I just don't feel it. Come here. You can't go by how you feel. Philippians 4.13, here's another good one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what do we talk? I just can't do it. I just can't. Oh, I can't. Oh, I just can't. Knock off your can't. Get back on your can. That didn't sound right. Now I believe that. Get on the I can do. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbors. I can do all things through Christ. Amen. You got to talk it. That's what you talk. Well, how does this work, Pastor? This is what you, this is what you say. You confess a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. If somebody says, I can't do this. Say, Yes, you can. You can do this through Christ. I'm telling you, you can do it. About that time you get all bummed out and upset because it just, I just feel so good because everything, I just, <laughs> if you only knew all the stuff I was going through, and if you just really It's like, whoa, wait a minute, whoa. Hey, I can do all things whoa, through Christ who strengthens me. Well, let's try another one. It's getting all spitty. 2 Timothy 1 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So the first time that spirit tries to jump on you like a big dog, you say, Whoa, breaks, hold it. God's not given me a spirit of fear. I don't walk in fear. I walk in the power of God. I walk in the love of God. I walk with a sound mind. Praise God. I got a, the mind of Christ. Hallelujah, I got a God who's with me. Hallelujah, I walk in power. Hallelujah, I'm not afraid. I refuse to walk in fear. Are you taking notes? I'm telling you, this is how it works. You got to talk this. 7,000, one guy said there's 7,100 and some odd promises in the word. Others have said there's even more. The point is this, there's a promise, I guarantee you, in the Word of God, that will deal with your situation, or situations, right? You don't need 10,000 verses to get a victory in one thing. You find the right verse, and I guarantee you that little thing will pack up and leave. Word said, with a word, he'd cast out. With a word, he'd heal and deliver. With a word, he didn't need a whole slew of them, just need the right one. Now you have to ask yourself, what are you talking? Hebrews 13, verse 6. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? If you're dealing with people issues, that's persecution, by the way, that's people problems. Well, the Lord's my helper. I'm not going to fear, because what can man do to me? You still with me? How about the one in Deuteronomy here? Let's pull that one up. Deuteronomy 31 and 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear. Um, Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. Somebody said, praise the Lord. He will not leave you nor forsake you. You can go back to Joshua 1 again and have the same thing. It talks the same thing. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He is with you. He will go with you. So stop talking about, I just feel so alone. And God's never with me. I just don't understand. Where's God? He ain't leaving. He would forsake. You're the one that walked away. Well, anyway, it's a whole other sermon. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We could do a th- Probably a hundred verses just on the fact that God wants His people to have all their needs met. And even once. You want to get technical. I've heard some people argue that and I think, my goodness, read the book. God's people should be the most blessed people on the planet. But if we're talking poor, poverty, never having enough, my needs are never met, my bills can't get paid, I don't have enough paycheck to get me to the end of the month, you talk all that stuff and all you do is perpetuate it. It's time to change what you're saying about it. And here's one good thing you say. If anything, I, I try to grab like easy ones. You know what I mean? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches, according to his riches, not according to anything down here, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works within Say, I just don't know if God's, he's able to do exceedingly. I love this because these are just all big, massive words when you look them all up. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all. (laughs) Right? This is God. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all. So why are you talking the other stuff? Stop talking defeat. Right? There's a bunch of verses that go with that. Luke 1, 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. And all the Christians said? Do you believe that? You should. So when you start thinking everything's impossible, you say, wait a minute, nothing's impossible with God. Amen. And in Mark 9, and 23, it says, Jesus said this, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I'm a believer. I qualify. So all I have to do is believe, Right? Believe in this, and then all things are possible to him who believes. Nothing is impossible. Thank you for all that agreement. (laughs) Amen. So, nothing's impossible. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or think. How about this? Isaiah 53, 5. You still with me? Hang on. We're about done. We're coming in for a landing. But he who uh, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. You go back into the New Covenant, you'll find in, in Matthew 8 and 17, 1 Peter 2, 24. Come on, somebody. All of it, uh, this stuff gets quoted again. Amen. He, he paid the price. He was wounded. Amen. Trans- Bruised for our name. Right? right. Come on. He paid the price. And by his stripes, the price he did, what he did, what Jesus did, bought, a, bought and paid for my healing. So I got to talk healing and not sickness. Psalms Psalms 103. Verse 7, I skipped some, I know. Or maybe I didn't. Who satisfies your mouth with, I love the whole reference, actually. You know, the word says not to forget about his benefits. It talks about there in the beginning. Amen. Who forgives all your iniquities. How many believe that? Who heals all your diseases. How many believe that? Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies and satisfies your mouth. With good things. Why? So that your youth (laughs) is renewed like the eagles. Oh, I'm getting so old. I mean, nobody deserves to live this long. Oh my God. So we talk sick, we talk old, decrepit. man get your mouth working for you start talking my youth is renewed like the eagles that's what you talk now I got all kinds of verses maybe I'll skip a few but if you want wisdom the words in there are clear there's wisdom for you amen you want a, you want boldness there's verses in there for boldness come on you're bold as a lion right come on you're not ashamed of the gospel right come on stop talking weak you know you want you want Power to resist the enemy. The word "Yard." Just resist him. If you resist him, he'll flee. The scripture talks about. It. The word talks about promises for your kids. Your descendants will be mighty on the earth. Hallelujah! The generation of the upright will be blessed. Your children shall be taught of the Lord. Shall uh, and great shall be the peace of your children. These are all verses that I mean. Stop saying my kids. What the heck's their problem? I didn't even get on the marriage. That husband. Oh, my gosh. Honey, guard your words. Oh, don't put this on me. Uh Uh-uh. Talk to the hand because the head ain't listening. I'm telling you, Pastor. Listen to me. You keep talking that. You keep talking that mess, that boy ain't going to change. If she's a scoundrel, it could be she's the scoundrel. In my house, that's what it was. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, curse, curse. Crop failure on those words, Lord. Thank you. Amen. How do, but there are verses, there's promises in there about your husbands and about your wives. Then you want your marriage to work, start talking that. We got way too much of this perpetuating the junk and the curse. Did you get something today? I understand I'm not a fool I understand the fact that there's more to just just words I mean there are actions and things you got to do and walk through I get all that we're not taking away from that but I guarantee you, if you start getting you're meditating on the right thing start talking the right thing you'll be amazed at how much things you change in the natural because you start talking that listen I, 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 I knew this early on you live God loud it's what you do you talk it in front of everybody they ought to all know where you stand instead of hiding. Come on. But I found out with this whole thing, even with the mouth, it sure helped. And I found that even the wicked would get on me when I cha- when my confession got off. They'd go, whoa, whoa, what breaks? Preacher man. Weren't you just saying yesterday how God was going to do? And now look what you're talking. You go, you know what? You're right. Forgive me. Will you forgive me, you heathen thing, you? I found that when you start doing that, even the even the lost, the heathen, will help you get your mouth right. That's why I guard your mouth. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to guard our mouth. Amen. Did you get something then today? Why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord.